1: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish
0: right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: We must say we are honored and gobsmacked that not only are we sitting here today in front of a successful YouTuber, a published author, but also a person who is a contestant on the TV game show Legends of the Hidden Temple <laughs> <laughs> welcome to welcome the podcast
1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 25 of the To Ramble Podcast.
2: Yes, welcome. Today is a very special episode. We have Andrew Givler here, known online as Sigils, who has a gaming channel on YouTube with over 1.2 million subscribers. He primarily plays Minecraft, but has also had Among Us videos, Fortnite videos, and a bunch of other games that, and where he gives hilarious commentary, has a blast with his friends, and he's also a part of a group called The Regulars where him and some YouTube buddies do some challenges, reactions, and lots more. But Andrew is not here today because of his Minecraft abilities, nor because his YouTube group that's suspiciously similar to the Sidemen. However, he is here today because he recently published a book called Soul Fraud. And Soul Fraud is a book that follows our protagonist, Matt, who has flunked out of college, lost most of his family in a tragic accident, and is in love with his best friend's fiance. So, when Dan the Demon comes and asks Matt to exchange his soul for 10 years of absolute bliss, Matt has every reason in the world to say yes. But Matt's seen this story play out before. He can't be tricked by a demon. So he says to the demon, no thank you. But Dan the Demon short on his quota and forges Matt's name on the uh, contract anyways, committing soul fraud, hence the name of the book. And this goes against the laws of the supernatural world. So it happens, and Matt's life starts getting really strange, and he needs to figure out how to get his soul back before it's too late. Now, Andrew, before we officially welcome you to the pod, we must say we are honored and gobsmacked that not only are we sitting here today in front of a successful YouTuber, a published author, but also a person who is a contestant on the TV game show Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> Welcome to oh the podcast.
0: <laughs> you guys did your wow. homework. Can I hire you guys to do intros for me from now on? Holy crap! I forgot about <laughs> some of this stuff. Yeah.
2: Now, more importantly, did you keep the swag they gave you? Is uh, that?
0: Yeah, I have the T-shirt. Um, okay, you still got it. I- I'll tell you what. Listen, um, respectfully to that TV show, they had no budget or anything that was happening in that season, so there wasn't <laughs> oh. there there wasn't a lot of perks being handed out. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have the, I, I do got have the a, red
0: jaguar t shirt, oh, so yeah. that's that was. I the gotta tell
1: we were uh, no disrespect, but very thankful you came out that you lost in the second round, so we didn't have to watch anymore. <laughs> that, that was uh, <laughs> um, we weren't allowed
0: oh. to win the second round. I'll say very quietly. Uh, game oh, show, fascinating experience, but yeah, there there's mm, some things what? that you don't see. I I would never do a game show again. Uh, probably after doing that, uh, it was it well, was. Well, I did
1: notice you did do a game show on Alienware. Okay, well, well no all right,
0: all right. Let, let me let me rephrase this. Uh, I wouldn't do a game show for free ever again. Ah. <laughs> Okay. Ah, so okay. Uh, game shows like TV, reality game shows, um, they they don't pay you because you have a chance to win. It's like against the law, um, mm. apparently. Uh, but then, you know, the things are sort of set up where the house always wins, right? It's like gambling, right? Uh, sure. So it was, it was just the whole time. Uh, the Alienware game show, I'm partnered with them. Like those are my friends. That was a great time. Uh, I would do that again in a heartbeat, but it was very different from like digital Uh, and like, you know, a brand running like a cool event. That's supposed to be fun and a TV show trying to make money, uh, two
2: entirely different experiences. Gotcha. So we got a little snippet there. So something happened where they didn't let you go on and get in second or first place. What's that all about? Uh, there
0: was an answer we gave, uh, at a question that they didn't show. Um, and they said that, uh, we mispronounced the name of like whatever, whatever the mythological guy was, but we were pretty close. Um, and they had told us in the briefing that they were gonna like work with people on that because like, you know, the legend that we were playing was like a legend no one, none of us have ever heard of, right, like a really, really obscure one, uh, at least in like Western culture. Um, And so really complex names that we heard for the first time, they don't give us a pre-brief, like we got told the myth, like standing on the stairs, heard those names for the first time and then had to be able to remember them. So it was just, you know, they're like, listen, we know it's hard, no big deal. So we answered a question, correctly but like a vowel was off kind of Um uh, decided rules. not to give it to us and that would have let us win the round and Gosh, they just didn't show it in the uh in the you know in the edit it doesn't appear yep
1: yep and... i i personally saw when you guys were stamping your foot i saw it where you guys stamped first and yet theirs went off yeah but like I, I saw that and i was like ah oh, this is well is, I, you know that's harder for me to,
0: to quantify right because like i was there I felt like we were pressing it first. It wasn't going through. You could have bias on that one, but like there was literally a question we answered that would have won the game that they didn't give to us. So it was, you know, it is what it is. Uh, It it would be so funny.
2: No, oh, we appreciate this insight. This I think it was just be got hilarious. Anyway, so, uh,
1: you know, oh, it, it was yeah. canceled season one, and it's on the CW. Yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> and
2: it, this would be absolutely hilarious if the entire episode is just on Legends of the Hidden. Devil. Yeah, we just talk about we that just... for like
0: two hours or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It was. I mean, it was. It was cool to do. Like, it felt very much like, um, you know, childhood moment. I was like, oh man. Uh, it also just. I don't know. So much was not what I expected. Like, uh, so one of my best friends and I were on it. Um, And I don't know if you looked into her at all, but she's like a literal rock star, right? And we went through the auditions and the auditions were so disjointed that they kept being surprised that we were like a YouTuber and a rock star duo. Uh, Hmm. And so when we got put on the show, they didn't know that. They they cast us as like, the gamer friend group. And we, so like all, all of the, like the producers were always like, can you like relate this to video games? And we were like, not really, <laughs> like, what is this? Uh, you know, and and like everybody else on our episode was just, uh, you know, like at normal nine to fives and stuff. Like we had a bunch of like guys who were like, you know, computer programmers and stuff. And then we just kept on the conversation. Like, so what do you do? And uh, we'd both be like, um, so she's in a band. And they'd be like, oh, sick. And then like people had heard of it. And they're like, what are you doing here? And we're like, we're not, we're not sure. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it was It was a whole time. It was really fun. I learned that TV is uh, a different beast than doing YouTube is really what it was.
2: Absolutely. And yeah, to start us off, we don't want to keep you on Legend of the Hidden Temple. So we'll get right into your book, we promise. <laughs> Please so. get me past my drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get past that. So something that was really impressive to us is we saw a tweet you put out in the beginning of January 2021. That said essentially if you don't finish writing your book that year that you'd see the year as a complete failure and here you are now publishing the book in 2022 you actually accomplished your dream of becoming an author how does that feel like emotionally how do you feel right now uh
0: okay man you guys did your research i love this um i i feel like it hasn't really set in uh on a lot of levels like like it feels good don't get me wrong Like, right? uh I still get like at least a tweet a day of somebody being like, "Hey, your book just arrived. I'm excited to check it out." That feels awesome. Um, but it really feels like also the beginning. Um, if that makes sense. Publishing a book just mm. makes me want to publish the second one faster. Like, um, which is probably also like what, you know, the same thing I feel about YouTube is like you don't really ever feel done, you know? Uh, it just it just feels like a good step. So, it's awesome to have done. I feel like I've learned so much about the process. There were so many things that I was like caught off guard by or just didn't think about that I had to like learn on the fly. So I think I can do the, I hope I can do the next one better and just keep building on it. Uh, but yeah, it, it feels good, but it also doesn't feel like much yet, I guess, if that makes sense. That does. And this is going to be a trilogy, correct? Uh, no, it'll be more than a trilogy. Um,
1: oh, wow. Originally,
0: okay. originally, I was thinking that I wanted to do a book a year, like for the 10 years of the of the the contract. Um, but I, I think that may shift a little bit. Um, I know where I want it to end. like I know kind of like the big big thing that's going on, but I'm kind of trying to leave myself a little bit of room to deal with the problems that are gonna come up as he goes. Um, okay. so we'll we'll see exactly, but um, that it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a longer series. So five to ten range most likely. That's what I think. Um, okay, I can't imagine. like, you know, some series has really hit their stride and they something opens up where it makes sense for it to go longer. So I don't, I don't feel like I'm comfortable enough saying it's absolutely going to be locked here because if I find that thing, I want to be able to explore it. But that's, that's like the vibe that I'm thinking right now.
2: Got it.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, this whole difference between your YouTube career and your book where you started YouTube in 2012, took you about like a, over six years before you could make it into your career. And at one point you were like really close to quitting. And when your friend uh, Biffle actually convinced you to stay, and your book, you talked about how this was a dream from childhood. It's been like, this book's been over five years in the making. Which are you more proud of? Your YouTube career or becoming <laughs> an author?
0: Uh, man, that's a hard question. You got him. Uh,
2: you got him. Nice job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, whoops, right in there. Um, on, on some levels, I think, uh, I think I might be a little more proud of the book. Um, Oh, wow. In, in different ways. I mean, I'm very proud of my YouTube career, uh, but I feel like in terms of uh, it's, it's not quite as unique, I suppose, right? Uh, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of YouTubers who have achieved the kind of things that, I, that I've pulled off and that sort of thing. Um, self-publishing is really still like an emerging thing. I actually sort of consider what I'm doing right now to be like the YouTube equivalent of book writing um but i feel like i'm a little bit earlier in that wave so it's a bit more like not a pioneer because i think it's already been pioneered but i'm still sort of in that like early uh, adoption and experiment part so um making youtube videos you know i have i have a team that helps with that and it's because they're smaller it doesn't feel like as big of an accomplishment even though the years and years and years i've been doing it is versus like years that went into making one like very polished completed thing rather than a daily thing I think I'm a little more proud of it because of that like it felt harder to do uh but but it's pretty close you know those are those are my two favorite things I'll be honest
2: (laughs) that makes sense so if you put years into making one particular YouTube video you probably feel more proud of that particular video and that this feels like one special thing right exactly I I mean mean, um because you know at the end
0: of the day I I I do daily YouTube videos right you can only make them Mm -hmm. to a certain level of quality like I try to make them as great as possible but there's only so many hours in the day so they're they're very like different kind of things. One is the you know the, the daily churn, and the other is like a this is done, and I have reached the point where like I'm happy with it, and more or less, and and ready to go.
1: Oh wow, awesome! Well, uh, I wanted to ask you about because um, this has been a long time coming for you. <laughs> yes, you got them. <laughs> Well, I want to ask you like most kids actually with their the child, they want to become a fireman or an astronaut or nowadays actually YouTubers like yourself. So what book or series did you read as a kid that inspired you to become an author? Man points, if any, are behind us. Uh,
0: (laughs) Dude, I mean, somebody, I, I, I'm a huge reader like, uh, that I read constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I read very quickly. Uh, so ever since I was a child, I've just been like absorbing books. Um, so I, I honestly can't really remember a, a period in time where I didn't want to be a writer. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, like YouTube was being a YouTuber wasn't a thing, right? So I think the the more common like I remember as a kid that author was actually one of the most desired pre- like uh, jobs for kids my age. Uh, so I went from like the one most desired job to the other one, kind of you know through some sort of weird stroke. I guess I've just always been following trends. Uh, The Wheel of Time is like one of the most iconic to me. Uh, I absorbed that as a kid. Uh, I started, I was on forums writing like fan fictions for Wheel of Time, like the the role-playing forums and stuff like that, where you'd like make characters and train them to be Aes Sedai and stuff like that. Um, I also really loved like the old Star Wars Extended Universe. Um, Michael Stackpole's Rogue Squadron series was incredible. Uh, I still love that to to death. Um, And then I started reading like, I read all of his fantasy. The Dark Glory War is an incredible book that gets slept on uh, because I think it's like a prequel to the trilogy and i don't love the trilogy as much but the dark glory war was really really cool um and was like an exposure to a first person narrative because first person narrative was kind of considered sort of trashy when we were kids i don't know if you guys remember that but like it used to be very kind of like poo-pooed on by english teachers everywhere as the like lesser art form you know like extreme pulp but now we accept pulp as pulp so that was one of the first times i read a book where i was like
1: oh you could do write first person and be clever that's interesting um it's a difficult uh, position to actually write i i can name a, a few where it does it well but i agree not that I, often
0: i think yeah it's easier to do well i uh, actually found i struggled because i used to try to write third person more and i found that um i needed to have some the light thing i like about first person is this is a tangent but uh is that you can really dump a big personality onto the main character and kind of guide the story mm-hmm. through his perspective I found that I tended to make my third-person narrator like not neutral enough. And right. and then everybody just became snarky because it was like I didn't have a place to kind of bleed that off. And that's kind of what drew me to first-person writing. Uh, I find third-person way harder, personally. Um, oh, that's interesting. One day, maybe I'll try it again. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I may just be a, a first-person hack from now on. I think also <laughs> uh, one of the other big early influences, and, and I did this like backwards for most people, is I have this very vivid memory of one of my librarians gave me um the first book of codex alra by butcher uh and i had never read Dresden, never heard of him uh and i read alra as it was coming out and i really really enjoyed it uh and then i didn't read dresden for like another 10 years after i thought it sounded really dumb uh but but butcher was a heavy influence on me like you know in my early teens but uh for his like less popular series
2: (laughs) gotcha
1: it actually Dresden Files is on my list, but one of the things that is my it is my favorite series that I've read in fantasy wise is The Wheel of Time. So okay. I'm a huge Wheel of Time nerd. Same. I Dude. love the series. I got an encyclopedic read...
0: knowledge of Wheel of Time. I'm I'm down.
1: Oh yeah. I, I've I've actually uh, I read the whole series in about two months. Solids. Okay. My my job allowed me to basically read eight hours a day. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: And I'm, I'm very I tore jealous. Through it.
1: Um, I'm I do highly
0: Austin to read it. Oh, you haven't read it yet? Oh, what are you doing? He hasn't. Oh, I know. It's so, it's so intimidating. It's,
1: it's a <laughs> it is, but it's also for the most part worth it. There's only one or two books that make you want to die. Uh... Yeah, and hey, I, I imagine when you were reading it, was it still coming out? It was. Yeah. When you started, um... see where I, I was able to blow through them, and so those the slog books did not hit as hard. Because I can just go to the next one. Yeah, no,
0: that that's very nice. I I mean, to be fair, it was mostly done when I got it. Um, I wanna say I think one of Jordan's might have come out, and then the three Sanderson, and that was it. So it wasn't uh that many. Like I was I got pretty deep. I got past the slog too, to the part where it was like, oh, we're going places again. But yeah, there are a couple books in there that while I love them, I don't know that I'll read again anytime soon. But that's Lord right. of Chaos has one of my favorite scenes in fantasy of all time. Uh, do my as well. It's incredible. I remember reading oh. that for the first time, losing my mind. Uh, I still go back and We're, read that just like the chapter every once in a while.
1: Well, we'll try and keep it spoiler free for what my is friend going on? here. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Gonna, That's why I said just gonna do my go as well. It.
0: That's it. Boom. You know, if you know, you know.
1: <laughs> Nothing else to be awesome. said. Would you say Robert Jordan's your
2: favorite author, or do you have a particular favorite? Oh man. Um.
0: That's that's tricky I guess on on how you quantify. I I mean uh, Robert Jordan's one of my favorite storytellers. I don't know that he's mm. my favorite writer in like a prose. His his writing isn't particularly brilliant I don't think. It's good, but um I would say there are other people who like if I'm just looking at like how they turn a phrase, I would rank higher than him, but as like uh as a storyteller I would I would put him up very like in the top 5, 100%.
2: Got it. Um, okay. Hmm.
0: Like, and, I, I'm i trying to think. Like, um, and I think an example would be uh, Rothfuss, I think, is a brilliant writer, right? Like, he, I think that his turns of phrase are really, really good. He works a lot of like thematic stuff in, like, he'll kind of use like the same imagery about something as he's going through a paragraph. So, you kind of have like this feel about what he's talking about, um, that not a lot of people can do very well. So, I, I give him like a lot of prose points that I might not give I, somebody else.
1: I completely agree. I actually don't particularly like the Name of the Wind. Okay. I However, knew I knew one I, of you didn't like Name of the Wind, so I was like, Uh oh yeah. uh oh, here we go. You notice <laughs> you <laughs> notice the tension just get high. <laughs> <Yeah. It's all laughs> <your> well, <face. laughs> but the thing I have to give it is the uh the prose is beautiful. It has oh, one yeah. the, he, something that is really difficult is to write music. Like write a song being played in a book. Yes. It it almost always sounds weird. It, it just never Or connects. lame.
0: Yeah. hundred uh-huh, percent
1: Patrick Rothfuss is it it's gorgeous. Yes. In many ways it's maybe even better than Tolkien when he describes his poems. Oh. Just I, how he I agree. how he weaves it in. He weaves it into the story on the emotions going through him and it is beautiful. Yeah.
2: That is awesome.
1: Tol- Tolkien and, is
0: hey. I, I would put it like in the category of um Jordan where like I love Tolkien's stories like the you know the Lord of the Rings is the father of the genre in, in, in many ways. I don't love reading him. Though so I, uh, it, you know, it it's evolved from then. You know, like the editing and and, and everything. And and he is. It re- feels like reading a history book, and the history is awesome. But the the actual like writing of it, some parts are brilliant, and some parts I'm like, bro, I, I just don't. You know, I don't I don't care about the map anymore. Please stop talking about the map. I don't care. I don't care. I don't
1: care. <laughs> Which and like, I guess that's where we differ, because I I really actually love the just the history kind of textbook of it. I, I don't know. It just always absorbed me into the story and the world because hmm. that, when i fair. was reading it i felt absorbed i mean he's the, one of the best to ever do that for sure i think i think jordan hit
0: a little bit more of a middle ground where like i think his characters a little richer and there's more like things that happen while then also being like and now here for a brief history of da-da-da-da-da. um so i i think i liked enjoyed reading jordan a little bit more for that but I mean Tolkien's a master. Okay, I'm not. I'm not trying to diss Tolkien before the the pitchforks come out for anybody. (laughs) Slow down. Uh, Just (laughs) personally, like I feel like I wish I had Tolkien's knowledge when I'm writing something. Like like his understanding of the world, and then written different, right? Like some of it I don't need to know. That just should be what the author knows, and then I want it to be revealed to me a little differently, personally.
1: Sure.
2: And not to give the wrong impression, but for Soul Fraud, I would say it's more toward YA and. Uh, middle grade to YA, Percy Jackson, Harry Potter-esque urban fantasy, rather than your know, Wheel of Time, right? That's the the target you're going for, in A Soul Fraud is is more toward YA than adult f- fantasy, would you say? I really struggle to answer that
0: question because I'm not sure. Um, I, a parent actually left a review, which made me very happy because I feel like they, I don't feel like there's a good category for what I'm trying to do. Um, but this parent was like a, the parent of a fan, uh, and, uh, you know, the kid loved my YouTube videos and knew her, his mom loved to read. So, uh, he, he, was like, Hey mom, you should check out, you know, uh, Siddle's book. Cause it came out and I think you might like it from, based on what you like. And so she kind of read it skeptically and then really enjoyed it. And then she had him read it, but she said, basically the, the book is written for adults, but it's written in a way that kids can understand, um, and with nuance so that if there is something that's more mature for the kid, um, they don't necessarily pick up on it. Right. Like you kind of get what you get out of it. And I'm kind of trying to do that. Like, I I think it's written for adults, but it's not written for adults in a way that it's like explicit or aggressive or uh, gratuitous for the sake of gratuity. Um, I think that it's, you know, I think it's a little older than like YA, uh, some YA, but it's not like I wouldn't classify it as just an adult book. Like, I say it's PG 13. That's what I say. Uh, Because I I don't know that it quite perfectly fits
1: either mold. and that's been very, you're welcome to my existential crisis. <laughs> well, I actually was describing the age range. What from my thought process was it sits in the same age range as red rising. Yes, red rising yeah, mm-hmm. is not, it's not a uh, YA book at all, but it's also doesn't have like that full grim, dark feel. It's, I think it's a good middle ground. And I, I would say soul fraud kind of falls into that age range.
0: That's, that's definitely the vibe of what I'm trying to hit. Um, I think, You know, to me, Dresden is also kind of like the the bar for urban fantasy at this point. Uh, You know, I think he's really pushed it to like where it can go. And I think he more or less does that too. So I I was definitely trying to deliberately operate in that like Dresden, Res Rising, uh, appropriate for all ages but also interesting for all ages. Like um, the the YA can sometimes, I love YA, but sometimes when I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, I'm in my thirties. Like, I don't don't care about (laughs) this anymore. Uh, so I, I tried to make the problems that everybody could relate to, um, and, and resonate with.
2: That makes sense. It should be mentioned the protagonist is in his twenties. So it's, yeah. you, you typically, if it's a YA, have a protagonist in 16, 17 years old to relate more to that audience. So it makes perfect sense. You have an older character in their twenties, but the themes aren't super explicit. So it can be, Well,
1: he's also dealing with, you know, he's in love with his best friend's fiance. That's typically not a yeah. It's not a problem children have. Yeah. No, Uh, but it's also not like
0: a a unimaginable thing, right? When you're 16 or 17, everybody's in love with somebody who's dating somebody or something. Like you can still sort of get like the vibe, even if it's not a perfect like one to one correlation with how you know where your life is at. Hmm.
1: Well, also Matt's a bit is a lot more practical to it. He has a little bit. He's a bit more maturity to it. He's he's not actually really trying to pine after. He knows it's a crush. He knows. He's not actually trying to break up his friend's relationship. No, no, no. He's not
0: not a monster. He just is
1: sort of (laughs) stuck in this situation that's like, this sucks. But I actually wanted to move into your uh, writing process. So I remember uh, you were mentioning in your video on your channel how that you don't plot out the entirety of your story, uh, but not to the same degree as someone like Stephen King. Um, when you are crafting your plot, did you bounce ideas off a writers group, uh, friends, or did you keep mostly the story in your head?
0: Um, that's a great question. So, I did model it after Stephen King a little bit. Um, so, I one of the reasons it took me a long time to finish this book was because I, or, or just write in general, was I was always paralyzed by the idea that I, I definitely am a, a make it up as you go kind of person. I love being in a corner and coming up with a solution to getting out of it, and and you know making it fit uh but i'm not a planner necessarily i i I am but not like a hyper detailed one and i felt like you're not allowed to write a book until you have like a 27 bullet point outline with indents you know like and i was like oh uh, i don't know um and stephen king has the whole thing that's like how i write a book is i ask an interesting question i make up my characters and then i let them do what the characters would do and i see what happens and i was like oh you can do that so um I took that and modified it a little bit because I knew there were like big points I wanted to hit. I was like, you know, ideas that I'd had or things that I thought were cool. And so I kind of took those points, figured out how the characters connected to those, and then and then wrote towards them. Um, I initially, what I had a, a couple of close friends that I was showing like chapter by chapter as I wrote. Uh, but Stephen also, Stephen, we're on a first name basis, Mr. King. Uh, <laughs> Mr. King also recommended that you don't let anybody read until you write the first draft because people's impressions will change how you're thinking about it. He was like, write a first draft and then give it to a couple close people and let them see, but don't let them like react to things because how they react is gonna like make you know kind of make you hesitate on things. And he was like, you have a picture, make it happen, do that. So, after I read that book, I cut everybody off at about halfway through and was like, "Sorry, you can read it when it's done." Um, <laughs> and then and then I kept it all close to my chest. Um, and that was it was a fun process. I think it was it was one of the my favorite things that I learned about it is just the like uh, trust in myself that I can figure it out. So being willing to just write a chapter, there are there are chapters that I sat down that I was like, "I don't know what happens right now." And then I just started a conversation between, you know, Alex and Matt or something. And then one of them just would say you know it'd be like this is what they would say right there and i would be like oh and now we're going this way like that of course uh, you know and and um a lot of times that felt really organic how that popped out and so i learned to sort of trust you know uh stephen king's kind of like process a little bit and and, and roll with it and uh that, that's really how i got like got through it was that and then once it was done i showed it to people and had them give feedback and be like does it make sense is it coherent do you have any idea what's going on uh, and 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 modified it from there. But the initial draft, after about the first half, where like one or two people were like, "Yo, this is really fun. I'm enjoying this." So it was like, "Cool. All right, I'll
1: show you when it's done." Terrific. Yeah. Did, did you, you did you, yeah. you send it to your like, just to your close friends, or did you have any like specific writers friends or your family? Or
0: you um, it,
1: it was pro- It was mostly close friends. I I don't.
0: Uh, that's actually probably been one of the I think uh, one of the harder things about getting started. Um, and it's similar in YouTube too. Is uh you know I don't have a ton of writer friends. You know I, I uh. I went to a couple writers groups like after college and stuff, but, um, I didn't find one where the people were that serious. It, you know, it was usually people who enjoyed writing, uh, mm-hmm. but they, you know, they weren't necessarily looking to make a career out of it. Um, and I think I was a little too hungry for, for those groups, uh, which is fine. You know, the, you don't have to make writing your career. That's not what I'm saying. But just like in terms of what I was trying to do, um, didn't necessarily make me a good fit for them and, and vice versa. So uh, I have a lot of friends who are big readers. So I I took it to them um, and got their feedback. Uh, But uh, other than that, yeah, it was really just like people I trusted who I knew consumed a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. uh, Who I was like, hey, you know, does this hold up if you read this book off the shelf? Uh, You know, what would you think? And also, uh, you know, they're they're people I trust enough to be mean to me.
2: (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) That is important. That is very important. Did you find any of the characters that you wrote were inspired from your real-life friends, like anyone from the side? Sorry, I mean the regulars. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: actually, uh, there, there is one. He's uh, towards the end of the book. Father Gerald is based off of a, a friend of mine uh, who oh, actually was oh, cool. a, uh, a priest from Uganda who came to America, and I, I met him. Um, and he has unfortunately passed away, but he was uh, just an incredibly kind, generous man uh, and so he he is definitely inspired by by my friend. Um, other than that, not really. I mean, I'm sure there's like little things that I've pulled from friendships with people and, and, and stuff like that, but uh, not particularly. Uh, Orion, I, I've always wanted to use Orion in a, in a story of some sort. I've always thought that was just like a super interesting thing. So uh, that was that's just like, I think I've plugged it into a couple other stories that haven't worked out before. And this one, I was like, ah, this is the one, this is where you're supposed to be going the whole time. just kind of said something very
2: important there that you tried this in other stories how many times did it take you to get a story a chapter one where you were satisfied and went this is the book boom i'm going i'm finishing this book
0: oh gosh a chapter one uh i wrote an entire novel that i threw away Um, Wow. and then i think i wrote two or three others that got to about at least a third um I don't know that I've ever stopped after a first chapter, though. To be fair, I, I think that I usually run like if I got to a point where I was like, I like this idea and I want to run with it. I think I usually got at least like a chunk of the way in before I got I got tired of it or I thought it wasn't good enough and started over with something new. Um, what made then, you
2: scrap that one book?
0: Um,
2: it just wasn't good enough.
0: Uh, and and it was it was a similar ish idea. It it. It mutated into this one. Um, they're very different, but uh, I pulled a lot of the ideas and, and figured out that they packaged better into this. But like the initial concept wasn't mm-hmm. as good. Uh, also, writing—just the more you do of it, the better you get. But I think in the beginning, it, it exponentially gets better. So uh, there was—I could tell a difference in my ability to write by the time I finished the, the Soul Fraud from the moment when I started. Right? Because I had written over a hundred thousand words. Like you just get better at it. Um, uh, and those first few books were just, they were bad. You know, I wasn't as good a writer, uh, wasn't as good a concept, but they were good like reps. So I just saw them as practice and said, okay, not good enough. Let's do it again.
2: Terrific. That's impressive because we, we try to write books and we have the chapter one problem. So we're glad to hear you don't have that chapter one problem. That is, that's the biggest hurdle, but we know that your chapter two was the toughest you mentioned that after you got the chapter one finished, it seemed like it was tough to figure out, all right, what do we do now? I have the cool concept. Where do I bring these characters? Is that true?
0: Yeah. Cha- chapter two was the, har- one of the hardest chapters to write in, in soul fraud. Uh, because yeah, I, you know, it was just, it was the same sort of thing. Like it kind of came to me. So I got the idea from soul fraud because I used to work at a sales department where somebody did that. Uh, oh, and cool. so I was a sales rep and, um, you know, we had like this big meeting, and they were like, "Hey, somebody's been forging signatures on deals, and you know, da da all this fun." And yeah, I think the guy went to jail. I don't even know. I didn't know him. He worked at you know another another like place. But hearing that story, I was like, "Huh? Wouldn't it be crazy if like a demon did that?" And then I was like, "Well, that's an idea." And that's where you
1: used to work with Dan the Demon.
0: I did apparently. Yeah. And and that's, I think, I used to have a corporate job. And so that's where, like, a lot of the corporate jokes come from is, like, I think it's funny. But, um, so I sat down and wrote that. I think, I want to say, like, it was, like, Christmas Eve or something. I was just, like, one of my end-of-the-year fits of, like, I need to, you know, I've always wanted to write. Like, let's do it. And I sat down and, like, banged it out. And I was, like, huh, I like this. Okay. Now what? (laughs) And then I read Stephen King's book. Uh, I think that same Christmas I was given it. And I was, like, okay, um... I guess i just do stuff and they're actually the second chapter that there is now was not the original one that i wrote it's one of the things that did get pulled uh and i just wrote something I, you know i wrote like a weird series of events happening and it didn't make any sense it didn't hold up i think he met somebody on the street who could like read his mind and was like yes that did just happen to you and he like went home just like panicking and then i i, I didn't really like it i was like this makes no sense uh <laughs> and so i i ended up cutting it and rewriting it but I, I think it was actually one of the last chapters i wrote was chapter two
2: Oh, hmm. interesting,
1: okay. Actually, it kind of made me uh, wanna ask, do you write chronologically or do you write scenes out of order then have to piece them back together? I write mostly chronologically.
0: So uh, my first pass on the book, I I follow the, uh, I find the chronological order helps me to follow like the, the path of what the characters would do, right? Because a lot of times in those moments, I know what they know too, right? Sometimes I know a little bit more, but sometimes I'm finding out with them and so I feel like it's easier to accurately write their experience if I'm kind of in it with them. And then when I either hit a point where I'm stuck or I missed something, then I go back and fill that in. Um, and I try to do those more or less chronologically as well. So like for right now, uh, I'm almost done with the sequel, Dandelion Audit. And I'm at the part where I'm not writing concurrently anymore because I realized I, I left out a, like a, a story arc as I went through that that I needed. And so now I'm going back and inserting that, but I'm inserting that chronologically where it would go and then sort of massaging the parts around it to make sure that the characters are doing what they should be doing in those moments. But I've actually written up until almost the very end, and then I'll go back and finish the end once i finished all those parts. Got it. Okay, so when... And that's more out of order than... Soul Fraud was almost entirely chronological. There was like two chapters, I think, that weren't.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to... uh... Dandelion eye it yeah. and, and see how that difference, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, how the transitions kind of work. Yep. So, yeah, because definitely when you write chronologically, the transition from scene to scene is, I, I would say, probably harder than if you wrote most of the scenes and went back to fill in mm-hmm. those to make sure those transitions kind of really flow. I would imagine. I think
0: I think writing chronologically also makes it hard to um, get outside of like the moment. So I, I think like Soul Fraud. I was afraid to leave him alone for any period of time, right? Because it, ah. so much was going on, and whatever, and it was like, huh, 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 and I and I think that that was probably one of the lessons I've I've learned. I'm trying to learn with the second one to do a little better. Is be like, it's okay if time passes. Like, we'll pop back in when something interesting happens, and like, it's okay if nothing interesting happens. So the pacing's a little different, um, and and the problems are different. So I, you know, I'm learning new tricks on this one, and we'll we'll see if it works out. But I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to. Get into people's hands and see. I'm almost done. I'm at. I hit 90,000 words this morning, and I think it'll be oh, a little longer wait. than Soul Fraud, but Soul Fraud's about 110,000 words, so we're getting there.
2: Sweet. Sweet. Same number of chapters, around 30.
0: Probably around 30. I, I think mm, plus or minus like five, maybe. But okay. We'll, we'll see. I'm. I am at that moment where I could still be surprised because I'm. I'm sort of fleshing out a couple spots, and that's usually when I find that. I have a moment that's like, oh, this doesn't make any sense unless this thing happens. And then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, got to go right. Two more chapters. So (laughs) um, but at the moment, that's that's where I think it's going to go.
1: Okay, terrific. Well, I remember on again on your video, you uh, talked about how dyslexia has affected your writing process. But, you know, uh, Google Docs really and Word helps with helps with all that. But what I and I think your fans probably want to know is how your writing was hindered by your weak knees god <laughs> you guys really just went through
0: everything huh <laughs> uh, well you know fortunately you can i usually write from a seating position so that doesn't really that definitely up. helps <laughs> i mean,
1: I'm wondering if you wrote from a standing desk or something god, no no I no no, no i would never i
0: mean i do have a standing desk but no no i i like to get comfy so i can just
1: walk <laughs> in <laughs> i gotta mention as well
2: no insult to you whatsoever but we saw at one point your fans were comparing you to leonardo dicaprio what was that about <laughs> can you like what uh, was that that is uh that
0: is actually just something that happens to me um oh, i what? get i get stopped in the street um my whole life and get told that i look like leonardo Whoa. dicaprio uh i don't wow. particularly see it i believe it's kind of it's 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 like this part it's like the
1: forehead to cheek the cheek portion I Apparently do see it very temp. Temp. I, it's, it's the, the eyebrows it's the eyebrows yeah. and eyes I, I think I can see it when it, you point out where I see it mm-hmm.
2: but yeah, I okay. I
0: have been I mean like you wouldn't believe uh, I mean I live in LA too right so it's a little ridiculous just like the culture uh, uh, yeah. but like one time I was in line um, at the uh, TSA at LAX and the woman in front of me turns around and she's like hey I'm so sorry I'm sure you get this all the time but do you know that you look so much like Leonardo DiCaprio and I was like what? And the woman behind me goes, thank you so much for saying something. I've been thinking <laughs> no it the chance. whole time. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, another time I was leaving a bar, I'd been telling my friends like the day before about like how this happens. And it's like, no, this doesn't happen. We're leaving the bar. The bouncer comes over and stops us and fist bumps me. And he's like, this, like six foot two, like probably like 300 pound linebacker as like black guy with his like deep, deep, deep voice. And he just walks over and he like fist bumps. Me. He goes, See you later, Mr. DiCaprio. And then just like That's walked awesome. by. And my friends were all like, did that just happen? And I was like, mm, welcome. Like, I don't know. So um, yeah, it's just been a bit that uh, I get stopped on the street and people tell me I look like Leo. I don't. Uh, the bouncer made me feel very cool though because I was like,
2: ah, yes. Thank you. Oh, you're probably riding that compliment. Oh, from, like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's you get recognized third for the being an author, second for a YouTuber, and number one, DiCaprio. And also you were on... That TV show, the Legends, third place, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Those are the three things. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the order. That's the order that it goes in, 100%. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, uh, this so soul fraud seems to be doing super well right now. Your fans are loving it. And let's talk about a hypothetical situation where Hollywood comes up to you and says, <laughs> and gives you a certain dollar amount. How much would it cost you to sell your soul and give away the rights to your beloved book? It's Dude, I don't number. even know.
0: Uh, I, I mean, listen, you know, times are tough. Everybody got to eat, right? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, I truly don't even know what that stuff is like Is like priced at. You know, fortunately, I have, uh, like, a manager and people like that who tell me what what I should or shouldn't do. Uh, right. Greedily, yeah. like, one day I, w- I would love to be in, you know, film and TV types. Like, honestly, number one, I wouldn't want it to be a movie. I, w- I would want it to be a TV show. Um,
2: uh, okay. I'm.
0: Uh, that doesn't mean I can't be convinced. But like, uh, <laughs> in, in, in my perfect world, I, I, I'm just a huge fan of the way that TV's gone with like the bigger stories. I, I think that condensing, movies have to condense so much, right? Uh, and especially with, like with the amount of books that I have planned and things like that. I think like a season kind of thing would work better. You know, Game of Thrones really did an excellent job up until the end of a, a adapting a book and proved that like if you take the time and you really invest in it, you can. Um, I don't know you guys haven't read Dresden, I don't think, but I don't know if you ever saw it. sci-fi tried to do the Dresden series as a show oh yeah um I know it's they tried locked. to do a book well they tried to do a book an episode uh and even once oh. or twice combined a book oh which is my. just yeah I was oh, like no God. thank you. yeah I remember I mean I remember watching it and the casting was great. the guy that casted as Dresden was was fantastic, but it was like, uh did you guys just do like the major turning point like uh, the arc of like the first nine books in like one one episodes as like a side. Yep. Sure did. Okay. Ah, no, 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 no. So, you know, in in my perfect ideal scenario, it would cost more money to get it as a movie than it would cost to get, uh, like if a high budget TV show, you know, like a a Netflix or HBO or something like that was like, we want to do a big, you know, big, big thing with it, but you need to take a hit so that we can afford to do nine seasons or whatever. I'd be like, sweet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, definitely with, you see uh, shows like Netflix and, um, like, Stranger Things Season 4. I don't know if oh you've my watched God. that yet. It's so with good! Killer. Beautiful. But I think that just, it, it just showed the benefit of streaming. Where instead of you're stuck yeah. with that, like, you know, 45-minute TV show time slot, yeah, why not make it an hour 20? Go for an it. Hour yeah, 50, this,
0: this but, episode needs to be a movie.
1: Okay, sure. Yeah, perfect. All right, why not? Yeah, uh, 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 that, uh, That's definitely the benefit of yeah. streaming. That I 100%, 100% agree.
0: 100% agree. So uh my dream would be that it would go like that route you know where you know maybe it is a movie but that's because one of the episodes of the season needs to be a movie to set the stage or the finale or something great Mm -hmm. but i uh, i would you know with i know with the scope of things that i have planned and the places that it's going to go i I think a movie would struggle to contain all of it i don't know smarter people than i could probably figure it out but
1: well definitely a fun question which hollywood actor you have money is no object which hollywood actor would you have play matt and would Dude, matt... it be leonardo <laughs> i think he's a
0: little old for matt at this point uh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: that would a. be a. Hard. <laughs> hard
0: um you know who i have thought before is <laughs> i would do um idris elba as orion oh <laughs> Ooh, i love everything i see say. that
1: just Elba is just you, you hit the target audience Elba, yeah. right
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah 100% like that uh that's the one in my and I'm like oh that would be so sick um oh yeah <laughs> Matt Matt would be hard I think Miles Teller could maybe do it um
2: uh, he's
1: I, he's definitely got that in but he's not uh he doesn't have that like Tom Holland like youthful like just attractive look where he you know yeah, I don't know. I think he would fit. He would fit. He, he more feels like a guy, right? Character. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um,
0: but I don't. You know, like it, Ryan Reynolds would be the dream, but he's also a bit old. Uh, but you know, there needs to be like I haven't seen somebody yet that I really was like, ah, yes, like the perfect young, snarky, like self-deprecating kind of humor. But so, somebody in that vibe for sure. Um, okay. I think I think Miles Teller could be a maybe, especially after I loved him in Top Gun, too. Uh, oh, I thought he did oh, great yeah. in there, and uh, also I don't know if you guys have seen Whiplash, but Whiplash is like one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, I love that. One movie. of my favorite movies. Yep, yep, yep. So I, th- I think that could be fun. Um, who I have a harder time casting uh, is Alex actually because I I, I don't know. Hmm. I, I haven't I haven't come up with a good person
1: for it. Uh, if you guys have ideas, I'd love to hear them. But I I, I don't I'm, have a good one. I see Alex as like he's the best friend role, and I mean I would think you'd have to get like Samwise Gamgee. yeah true i i I don't know i just kind of feel that but i mean or jonah hill (laughs) oh jonah hill would uh but he's
0: too funny jonah Ah. hill like he
1: steals
0: yeah he does he does although alex is sneaky funny in my opinion you just he doesn't say as much out loud as matt because like matt's narrating the whole time but Mm -hmm. i think i think alex is sneaky funny in my head alex is the funny one i think in matt's head alex is the funny one uh, because he doesn't really
1: notice his own. That's just how he thinks. <laughs>
2: Makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, also, something uh, I wanted to think about. I know it's not a movie, but it would be more of a television show. But Stanley is famous for making cameo appearances in all the Marvel movies <laughs> uh, before he passed. Yes. How would you want to cameo in Soul Fraud, the TV show? Yes. What a great question.
0: Um, I think I would love to be uh, locked in the lab
1: oh that's oh, a great that's spot it's a great one it is do you like, like just pan past person. like yeah. all the creatures in
0: lazarus's basement
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great spot oh, that would, that would <laughs> honestly be hilarious we see all these monsters and then you just see some guy in a hat <laughs> just, yeah, just like hat. hanging out that feels just very that dark guy. towery to
0: me like you know how stephen king just like inserts himself but uh <laughs> <laughs> we have we have the writer locked in this room but
2: uh <laughs> <laughs> that's a I think that, that would be very yeah. fun Oh yeah! Oh, incredibly fun, and so Soul Fraud is has been a huge success with your fans. Having Goodreads like a four point nine almost, and the reviews are awesome. Like you mentioned earlier, the parent and, and the the kid who gave you that awesome review, it's been so the, the support's been so great. Does this affect you at all when you've been writing book two, and now that you're toward the end of it, does this affect your mentality going in of oh I have a bigger hurdle and there's more pressure on me, or does that not affect you and you're just cool and collected?
0: <laughs> um, I, I don't think that the, the response has affected me. Um, I think that, if anything, it, it's, it's made me feel a little better because I was a little nervous with oh, okay. you know it being slightly older audience. Not not much. My audience that exists on YouTube is kind of all over the place, but there's definitely like you know a section that's younger, right. um, and so I was you know a, a little worried just that like some people would be upset you know that it was like a little bit more serious, a little bit different. You know, I was just like I hope it resonates. Um, and, and it clearly has, so that makes me feel good just like on like the the big scale. Um, I would right. say I, I am nervous in general because I know I have to, you know, I, I want every book I write to be better than the last one and be, you know, bigger and, and, and more interesting and not feel like a repetition of the same. Um, so Dandelion Audit definitely, Dandelion Audit's definitely more ambitious than Soul Fraud was. Um, so I think I just feel the pressure to make sure that uh, I juggle all the plates in it appropriately. Um, I don't want it to feel like kind of, you know, you ride the railroad and then it's over. Um, and I want, you know, one of the things that I did in soul fraud, I personally hate it when I feel like a character is making an obvious bad decision just because the story needs it. Right. When, when a character, when a character that you're supposed to respect obviously becomes an idiot for the sake of the plot, that really upsets me. So, even know, Matt makes a lot of bad decisions in soul fraud. I wanted it to always seem like a reasonable assumption for what he did but that sent him on a lot of rabbit trails so i'm trying to juggle more more things but still have the room for the rabbit trails
1: um well um we'll to see that why you think it's so uh, ambitious is dandelion Audet gonna have multiple povs or is Ooh. it still gonna be mostly matt
0: no it'll it'll always be matt um i i don't like let me get like you know up on my little soapbox here i don't really like when when first person narration switches away like I I find appealing about the first person narration, the, uh, the like the model of the um, inaccurate narrator, or not necessarily inaccurate, but like, you know what he knows. Uh, that's like, what's appealing. What's interesting is like, you get to insert yourself into the story. You get to go along for the ride. The moment you zoom out and go to something that he can't know or he's not there for, I feel like it disconnects you from it. So I don't plan on ever leaving his perspective. Um, so that you're making the decisions along with him and kind of following his thought process not going like no dude no no like obviously um and some others do it and and sometimes it works um i think there, there's a book right now that's really doing well is it uh gunmetal gods that's the one i'm pretty sure that's written in dual first person um and it's pretty interesting because you get like the inner thoughts of two different characters i, I enjoyed the book but i um i wouldn't necessarily i i can't see myself doing it i don't think i would be able to turn off Matt's narration in somebody else's head.
1: Gotcha.
2: Right. And especially that first person Pov that you prefer over a third person, where it seems kind of alien have you ever toyed around with talking in the present versus past in your book? Did you, what, what made you, what set the tone for what tense you chose? (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) I struggle with that one a lot, actually. Okay. Um, I went with past because, uh, I wanted it to feel a little bit more conversational. Um, rather than, I felt like that felt a little more mature than sometimes like being present is like tricky. I, th- I think I'm still finding like the sweet moment in that because I think there are moments where when Matt's talking, my, my editor and I actually argued about this a lot. Um, and it was, it was probably one of the things, cause I am a little fluid with my tense, but sometimes when he's talking about an idea, uh, even if what has happened is in the past, he's describing it compared to something else. I consider that to be a present, um, explanation because it's an opinion he still holds. Right? Uh, yeah. Regardless of whether gotcha. or not they're occurring at the same time. Yeah. So I want you to feel like he is telling you what's going on. Um, and so I end up kind of bleeding a little bit, right? I don't think that in the story he is actively, you know, in a fight punching somebody that moment, but he might be telling you something that he thinks, which he might still be thinking. Uh, okay. And so that gets gets a little fuzzy, but... Um, I don't want it all to be in the past tense too because then I feel like it starts to feel a little flat. I one of the things I'm trying to like a critique of myself is I think I wrote a few things too passive, too like slow and so I'm trying to make it feel more present and active as it goes, to to be more engaging. Uh that's just like a personal writing critique that I'm I'm working on for myself.
1: I I definitely think my favorite scene in the book was uh fighting the minotaur. Concur. It, like, that was <laughs> that was really exciting. Like that was definitely not passive.
2: No. Oh. Good,
0: I'm glad <laughs> that that was another idea that was recycled from my other book that um I have wanted to do for forever it was just the idea of being lost in a maze of cubicles with a minotaur chasing you uh amused me immensely and so I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it
2: great choice yeah. well uh
1: we uh you mentioned before how uh your fan's mother uh gave you a really great compliment about the book um on the flip side I sometimes I really enjoy reading the one star reviews of like The Lord of the Rings and these really great books for a good laugh. What if any a- has been the funniest complaint about your book?
0: Um Yeah, I do that too. I read all the reviews just cuz I'm curious and I'm I like yeah. punishment. Um I actually <laughs> I have, I have not seen I think there's only one one star review like that's written out anywhere. Um and it's kind of incoherent. So I didn't really take it too seriously. You know, I didn't like, mean it, I swear. I was just trying to do yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I knew it was you. Nah, I, I think it said something that was like this didn't read like a book. It felt more like a series of connected vague interconnected vague ideas. And I was like, uh, I think there's a lot of criticism you could level at this book. I don't think that's the one, but sure. Yeah, it's not helpful. But, uh, no, I, mean... <laughs> I was like, did you read the same book? I, I
1: you know, <laughs> right, think right. think what you want to oh, think. No. I, you know, it's a free country, but I was like, I don't know if that's really the one you can get me on. I can definitely uh, give you this comment. There is a beginning, middle, and end. It was right. yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> like that, that's there. That that occurs. You know, we start somewhere and yeah. we end up
0: somewhere else. Um, uh, and so I was like, ah. uh, I think I think the thing that's most interesting to me is people who leave glowing reviews and then give it four stars. Because I don't ah. understand.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there's quite
0: a few reviews that are, like, incredibly positive. Like, I love this. This was so much fun. I can't wait to read the next one. Four stars. I'm like, what?
1: You know okay actually that gives into our uh, our big thing with our show and the reason why we create it is because of our rating system because we were oh by uh rotten tomatoes and good <laughs> yeah. reads how that's just the one through five stars and we hated it so
2: we do like if you see a rating from office it's like 7.38 repeating we like to get really particular you know get <laughs> it on the dot. And we, so,
1: <laughs> we actually have like five categories oh yeah oh, so kind of like the audible reviews and, yeah, in a similar I way. Um,
0: l- I where, like the Audible Reviews a lot.
1: Oh, yeah. Where we go um, emotional impact, characters, plot, dialogue slash prose, and then for books, world building. For movies, uh, cinematography. And then oh, we okay. average those together to make the final score. Wait, so, do I get to find out my score? Oh, yeah. We'll, sit, we'll actually don't have the official one like all seared out yet. It takes us okay. a while to rate some stuff. But we'll we'll talk about that after the interview okay okay oh, yeah yeah, yeah no i yeah. can't wait you know I'm, i want to know what my score is how great I get. oh yeah <laughs>
2: and, and also if you ever now richie you mentioned earlier there was a beginning middle and end which reminded me of a lot of the quotes you put on the back of soul fraud where you just have i'm proud of you mom or neat some girl at a party that's just such a great yeah. addition to the book yeah. i love that part uh, it's, it's very do easy. you guys want to know a, a
0: funny secret about that oh uh, please yeah. yes Th- that was that was definitely you know I, I said that there were a lot of things i wasn't prepared for that i learned along the way um and one of them was when i got a book cover made they're like cool what do you want the back to look like i started like you know looking around at other you know kind of books in the genre that kind of thing and it was like all of them had reviews and we were like a month away from publishing and i was like <laughs> oh yeah i don't i don't have any way to get reviews um i guess i'll just make some up <laughs> and that was I wrote right, so, in like
2: five minutes. No, she didn't say neat at a party. I was hoping that. I, I mean, oh, no, That's it definitely, definitely happened.
0: But I was just okay. like, um, I,
2: and the
0: one right, so no, no. grandfather is 100% real. That one is 100. When he ha- when he heard I was writing a book, my grandfather was just like the driest old man. And he was like, huh. I didn't even know you could read. So I was like, you know what, grandpa, you're going to
1: the a <laughs> <the> book. So <laughs> what you're telling me is your, your mom is not proud of you.
0: Okay? Oh, well, that, you one, that like... one's up in the air. I never know. We'll find out one
2: day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I want to throw this out here because you know the focus of this has been on soul fraud but just one little snippet on movie talk for a second oh okay. sure we we know you mentioned that matrix is your favorite movie can you defend this because we love matrix and but it's we we love giving our top 10 list and hearing matrix as one of your favorite movies is ins- is interesting it's a it's a great pick, can I know? defend this does it need defending yeah, yeah. no I, <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's
1: fun you, you could just say
2: I love but it and that's it but the favorite movie yeah
1: it beats um, out uh, Citizen Kane. It beats out 12 Angry Men. It beats out the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, beats out all those.
0: I think that um, the reason that I put it at number one is that pretty close to a perfect movie. Um, there's not a lot of things that I would go in and cut or change or tweak even if I could. Um, and I think that uh, for me especially, I like when Pulp is elevated to do something more than just be fun but still doesn't lose the fun. The Matrix is technically a very complicated philosophical exploration of reality and existentialism and, uh, you know, savior concept complexes and all that kind of thing wrapped into what was at the time a revolution of action. Nobody had ever done action like that before. So yeah. not only did they take, you know, the 90s was like the birth, well, I guess really the end of the 90s, early 2000s was the birth of like, what if we explored big ideas while blowing stuff up, which uh, is a great concept. Um, You know, but like the the twist, the best twist movies that we've ever gotten, well, not ever, but in in the last while, come out from that era, right? Shyamalan was running around, uh, The Matrix, uh, Fight Club, stuff like that. And that was, I think The Matrix is the pinnacle of that where they really were like, we're not just using the action as a vehicle, it's important and so we're gonna elevate it while also writing something that's intelligent, clever, has a twist, uh, resonates and stand, you know, stands on its own, has its own message and its own thing that it's dealing with. But also, you've never seen anything like this before. Um, and I think before that, people weren't really... They were doing one or the other. And so the fusion is, to me, what makes it one of the greatest movies of all time, in my personal opinion.
1: That's favorite. a great that's defense. A, that, is a, a, that is a great <laughs> pitch. You should be on here. You should we, take We spot. do
2: We do not defend our <laughs> movies that
0: well. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, I also we, think John Wick is up there for... Uh, similar stylistic reasons, like a, as a, a successor, um, John Wick has one of my favorite written scenes of all time. Um, and it, it's actually, you know, something you guys were talking to me about in DMs when we were talking about stuff. I think they have one of the greatest examples of show don't tell that's ever been written. When, oh, uh, yes. Which when one the Russian that? mobster calls yes. uh, the car guy. Yeah. And, and he oh, says, God. I heard you struck my son. And he goes, yes, sir, I did. And he goes, well, why would you do that? And he says, because he, Killed John Wick's dog and stole uh, stole his car, and the Russian mobster goes, "Oh," and hangs up the phone. I think yes. that. Oh, I went yeah. to see John Wick like without knowing anything about it. I was like, "Oh, Keanu in an action movie? Sure, Friday night, whatever. That sounds fun." That happened, and I like sat up in my chair. I was like, "Hold on," <laughs> I was like, "Is this a real movie? Like, what what just happened?" Um, I think that is like one of the coolest exponential right like you know writing moments that I've ever seen, uh, and it's one I think about a lot when I'm trying to like. Right stuff is like that kind of thing. I love those moments, and I think that that anyway. John Wick also up there. Oh, it's that's, that's it's full great. of those.
1: Uh, personally, one of my favorites for world building wise, it explains a lot of the plot holes you would think where uh, John is you know killing all these people in his house. Uh, spoiler alert for an accident, <laughs> I think if I, you if if we didn't we know that one to. was coming, yeah, all right. Um, and the cop comes to his door and knocks, yes, and the cop sees it, it's like. You working, John? He goes. I'm still retired. He's like, okay. And the cop leaves. And yeah. so you know, like, okay, the cops are kind of in on this. This is like, there's a reason why John isn't caught. There's a reason why he can, you know, drop all these bodies and the police aren't surrounding. His totally. House. And yeah. so I love, like, and that's not a, an ex- explanation. It's just a show, little quick scene.
0: Yeah. They're like, yeah, no, everybody doesn't want to get in his way. You think you know what's going on. Nobody wants to be in his way. And you're like, oh that more than the fact that he just killed like five people without breaking a sweat like no they don't want to mess with him
2: yeah
0: yeah every dangerous person you meet is like oh john wick hello hmm. big respect <laughs> hi can i get you some water like you know that you know that that kind of stuff um i think that cuz a lot of the team that made john wick is the pe- the team that made the matrix i think that they've pioneered like that kind of presentation um and i'm a huge fan of how that works
2: hmm. i have to ask you Because the the mixture of John Wick action and the Matrix existentialism, did you watch Everything Ever All at Once this year?
0: I have not yet. I know. I know. I know. I've been so busy. I haven't watched any movies. I know. I know. I think you'll have a new favorite movie.
2: I'm not I'm not trying to push it, but you you have to watch that movie. Here's the thing
1: people who are, you know, watching our show know that like during that time I was a little bit more critical of it and people think that I really dislike the movie. I really loved the movie. It was really good. <laughs> I just didn't Excellent like it moment. as much as. Right. Awesome. So, no, but I, it's, it's a must. My see, friends, musty okay. movie. Yes,
0: um, I'm, it's on the top of my list. Uh, I will get to it. I'm actually. Uh, this is another tangent, but we're here. I'm watching season four of Westworld right now. Um, oh, how's that? It's so good. Okay. I don't, uh, I, I, I don't, stopped uh, after season one. I guess I got to continue. Oh, well, I'm so far. will be honest. I, I I felt like season two and three kind of lost its way a little. Um uh, and then season four, uh, I just started, but I would like, I'm hooked. So I don't, and what's weird is I've seen a bunch of tweets talking about it, but like, you know, they're not promoting it anymore. They're kind of just like letting it do its thing. Um, but it's super weird and I don't know where it's going, but I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. Awesome. Dark okay. twisted mind of Jonathan Nolan, you know?
2: Fantastic. I mean, to, to finish things off here, do you have any, uh, any movie recommendation you think we haven't watched yet that you'd ask, or a book recommendation, Dresden? I know that you've mentioned that, so we should- I can't recommend Dresden enough.
0: I can't recommend Dresden enough. Um, I'll say the thing that I say to everybody, and this is like common knowledge, right? Dresden is super inspiring to me on a personal level because book one of the Dresden files, the story goes that Jim wrote it in like a novel writing class in college. And I believe he actually said he wrote it to spite his teacher. Because his teacher was giving him like the, you know, the formulas, the this, that, the other, you know, this is how you write a book. And he was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to write a book following your thing and show you that it's stupid and I don't need to do it. He finished the book and his teacher was like, yo, I, I think this is a book, right? And so he sold it and then was off to the races. Um, book two is wow. awful. Uh, you don't need to read it. I believe he has apologized for it. <laughs> He's apologized? <laughs> it's, it's like, it is the <laughs> ultimate sophomore book, right? Like it is the oh. ultimate, like... Here we are. How did this happen? Uh, Everybody, everybody is like, nope, don't read it. Don't, like, you don't need to. Um, Wow. Book three is fun. And then book four is like the moment where it kind of zooms out a little bit. And it's like, by the way, here's the tune we've been dancing to. And then you're just, you're off to the races and you're like, oh my God, what? And boom. And then um, I think it's book 12 and book 14 are two of my favorite fantasy books of all time. and I, I've read them many, many times. I think they're incredible. Um, can't recommend them enough. But that's kind of cheating because everybody recommends Dresden. My recommendation right now, my new like top three thing that I'm super psyched about that I've been shilling to everyone is Empire of Silence by Christopher... I believe it's Ruccio? Ruccio? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. No, not at all. No, I, I, I haven't That's heard of a great that
2: recommendation like. because we have not heard of that.
0: Um, so it is... <laughs> It's a little bit of name of wind, name of the wind in the space, um, but he's already got four books out in the last four years, so that's fun. Um, that's an improvement, right? Um, but it, it the, the premise is essentially it's called the Sun Eater series, um, and it is that I have human, heard of. Okay, yeah, Human Empire spans the, uh, the galaxy, right? And, um, and, and a little bit like Dune Ask, where there's like technology kind of outlawed, except for like very rudimentary stuff. Um, and there's been a lot of genetic manipulation, people live a lot longer. Um, And this, we finally made contact with an alien race, but they are warlike and terrible and cannibalistic, well not cannibal, but like, you know, they're eating us and and taking over. And this young man rises from being like a minor noble to like the hero of the war, but he's also the villain of the war because, and this isn't a spoiler, this is like, you know this from the very beginning. Uh, In the final conflict between the, the aliens and human forces, He blew up a sun, wiping out the entire alien invasion, but also like a habit inhabited human system. So he killed like billions to finish them off. That's why they call him the Sun Eater. And it's his origin story from boy to man becoming like this minor noble up to the person making this call in this battle. And it's very slow, but it's also really good prose. Um, The guy who wrote it's like super educated. So uh, it's a lot of like references to like, uh, you know, myths and legends and, you know, some fun linguistic stuff and things like that. And then it starts slow, but like it goes somewhere. The third book is like, holds the record of it made me physically cheer out loud uh, when like a scene finally happened. Um, And I don't do that for very many books. So for me, very near and dear to my heart, but you have to be willing to like, go for it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you have to get invested into it because it, he he definitely is like one of those like journey slice of life until we're there kind of thing. But right. I love it. I can't wait for the, the fifth one's coming out. I think he's actually releasing two books this year. So the fifth one comes out later this year. Um the third one has been my favorite so far, but they've all been fun. Uh and I I've been recommending it to everybody. It's it's absolutely in my top 3 right now.
1: Great. Fantastic. I'll I'll try and read it after uh Joe Abercrombie. Okay. Oh, i mean, going through the first law trilogy.
0: First Law is a lot of fun. Joe's great, um, I, I, I mean, I don't always read a lot of Grimdark, but uh, Joe is probably the king of Grimdark, I would say. Uh, he's, he's incredible, um, his political commentary is lovely at the same time.
2: <laughs> well, awesome, yeah. Thank you for the recommendations, and I'm gonna say something that sounds a little ridiculous, but would you, Andrew Sigils, like to promote anything to our 600 and something subscribers? <laughs> I would, would you, though. <laughs> Here's the thing, I would, because all of them read. You, <laughs> you, I'll give you the floor. I'll let you finish it off here. <laughs> Anything sure you want to um, say to them? Actually, I just made this up.
0: I just on the spot. Um, a, tell me if you don't want to do this. But uh, yeah. would you guys like to give away some Audible codes to your uh, your viewers? Certainly. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's do cool. that. Um, don't we, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like five? Do you guys want like? I, I got I got a bunch, so I can give you guys like five codes if you guys want to give away some copies of Soul Fraud on Audible. Uh yeah, by all means. Perfect.
1: However you want we'll to do that. We'll have them in the description below the video. They'll be on the uh, screen okay. in the
2: description. There you go.
1: First, first one yeah. to use it, uh gets it, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah first I, part, I think they're right? just one time consumables.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, there'll be five. I can send them to you. No worries. Uh and, and I guess they'll be US only because I can I can't generate I don't know, Audible's stupid that way. But yes, yeah, yeah. so they'll be US only, but or or you have to use com basically. um okay. okay. Uh, other than that, yes, all Fraud's available on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited, so you can read it for free. Uh, paperback, hardback, and Audible.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for and, having me, guys. Uh, it was a blast. Yeah. All right, uh, everyone, we'll uh, see you next week. Uh, later. Later. <laughs>